Happy Friday, and it's Buddy Bayheim Legacy Day here on the show. We're <laughs> going to get into all things of what the coach's son did throughout his Syracuse career. Going to discuss where he ranks among Syracuse's all-time ACC players. We're going to leave the Big East conversation out of this, just ACC players. Kind of recap what he did over the course of his career, and how can Syracuse replace a guy like Buddy? I'll give you a hint. It's not going to be easy next year, but they're going to try to do it. So we will do all of that and more on today's Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome in. This is the Locked on Syracuse podcast. I'm Tyler Aki. He's Tim Leonard with you every single weekday here on the show, Monday through Friday. Check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And we thank you for making us your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all platforms. So subscribe. And that includes YouTube. Watch the show on YouTube, like, comment, all that good stuff. It's bittersweet doing this one, Tim, as we dive into the legacy of Buddy Beheim, a guy who I thought at the beginning of the season and maybe even a couple of games in, he might come back, but Jim Beheim was quick to shut it down pretty much every time it got brought up. And Buddy as well was pretty quick to shut things down and say, I'm, I'm gone after this year. I'm moving on, whether that's going to be playing overseas, whether that's going to be going to an NBA draft combine or G League combine of sorts and work his way into the draft combine is yet to be seen. But just kind of going over the course of his career, I mean, I think this is a guy who is never going to be talked about in this conversation of Syracuse developing players. And I think it's probably because of his close connection to Jim Beheim. But I mean, this is one of the best development projects Syracuse may have ever had in terms of a guy who came in. I mean, remember how bad Buddy was to start off his college career? The guy sure. couldn't find the bottom of the net from three, and he came in pegged as a shooter. This guy's going to be a dead-eye shooter, and he could not hit a thing from distance. But that quickly changed over the course of his career. He wrapped up with three stellar seasons. I mean, how about these numbers over the final three seasons of his career? Averaged 15.3, 17.8, and then in his senior season, 19.2 points per game. That last one lead the led the ACC. That's a heck of a a way to go for a guy who was ranked outside the top 300 on a lot of recruiting charts. Yeah. It was funny hearing him this week. He went on Devo's podcast, I guess was last week and then went on with Mike waters as well. And he brought up how not bad for a 349th ranked guy, I think is the exact number. And Mike waters was like, Oh, you know, the exact number. And he's like, Oh yeah. Like that, that was motivation, late workouts, stuff like that. I, I knew that number in the back of my mind that kept me going. And you're right. It's, a guy that really exceeded expectations coming to Syracuse. He joked about how when him and his dad first were talking, when he entered his freshman season, they had discussions of, all right, you're going to be a role player. We'll see. Maybe you play as a sophomore junior. We'll see where it goes. There were talks and, of red shirts. Remember sure, that right. with his freshman season? Yeah. And now here he is. They said they had a good laugh this week. He, he said him and his dad had a good laugh just at the fact that, can you believe we're sitting here? We just signed a deal with Rock Nation. So did Jimmy. And, and we're talking about NBA. And that's a legitimate thing to be talking about. And good for him because he really exceeded expectations over the four seasons. And he worked his ass off. Yeah. I mean, you heard the stories. You didn't know about him necessarily, but word got out about him training with Devo. He wasn't one of those Instagram workout guys. Like the the Joe Burrow quote is don't, don't post your workouts on Instagram. Just go do them. Right. Sure. 
And, and that's kind of what Buddy did. He just went out, put in the work. If you told me this was a guy that was going to lead the ACC in scoring at one point during his college career, if you told me that, heck, if you told me he was going to average 15 points per game after his freshman season, I would have said, eh, yeah, good one. Like, I, I wouldn't have believed it for a second. 15 points per game, and not only did he do that, he did it in three straight seasons. Yeah. And he was one of the most prolific scorers in the conference, a guy who – pretty much shouldered an NCAA tournament run to the second weekend. I mean, this guy, what he did with his career is phenomenal. It is unbelievable the way that he went, like you mentioned, 349th. And, and the number obviously sticks with him, and it's cool to see that he has that chip on his shoulder story. But this was a guy who was always had to dealt, deal with the the daddy's boy thing, coach's son stuff, and, and mm -hmm. the preferential treatment as a result of that. But you look over the course of his three years, there weren't a lot of other guys on the roster that you'd rather have taken the shots that he took. Yeah, and you can make case, all right, well, the roster around him was not that great. He wasn't a part of a lot of winning teams. Definitely when you compare him to a Brandon Trish or someone that had a four-year mm -hmm. career recently, he did not win as many games as Brandon Trish. But here well, are some guys did, that nobody recent four-year players, these are a couple guys that he passed in the scoring column in terms of four-year guys. C.J. Fair. Brandon Trish, Red Autry, Jason Hart, Chris Joseph, Trevor Cooney, Demetrius Nichols. Scored more points than all of those guys. Now, it's tough because not everyone's career is apples to apples. I get that. Mm -hmm. But the numbers speak for themselves. He has scored more points than any Syracuse basketball player since Jerry McNamara. Like, think about that. That's a fact, yeah. and it doesn't really seem like it is. And I guess it's... A different era now, if you're really talented, you leave before four years. I get that. But you have to consider him as one of the better players of the ACC era when you factor in that he was one of five first-team All-ACC guys in Syracuse history and since the, the Orange have joined the ACC. So he finishes with 1,765 points for the course of his career. That's 13th all-time, played in 121 games. And you look at the list, only two guys ahead of him in that group of 13, only two guys played fewer games than him. And you got to wonder where he might rank on this list if he had a normal junior season. Again, the team played 28 games. You're used to playing at least 30, 32, 30. If you make a deep run like they did, like if you go to the Sweet 16, you're usually expecting to play somewhere in the neighborhood of 33 to 35 games. Right. So you wonder what could have been if he had gotten that sense of normalcy in his career. And then obviously he had the, the game against Louisville and the ACC tournament taken away from him because of COVID. Um, and then obviously he gets suspended for the game against Duke. So you almost wonder like if he had three or four more games, five, seven more games over the course of his career, that was more in line with what some of these other players had in front of him. Like you're talking about almost a hundred more points. You're talking about maybe moving yourself into the top 10 potentially in, in scoring all time at Syracuse. Yeah. Next up was Billy Owens at 1840. So he had a, a little ways. And to go he's to one of the guys. He was one of the guys that did it with fewer than games than buddy. It was sure. Billy right. Owens and Dave Bing. And I mean, talk about two all-time greats. They did that in three seasons of work. So they yeah. may have the most impressive of them all. Yeah. And Devo was only three seasons as well. When he, he passed Devo by a little bit, uh, 14th all time. I think he's now maybe 15th all time in the scoring list, but that's gotta be a cool moment for buddy. A guy that he looked up to a guy that he grew up working with and, 
definitely was a big part of his growth as a player. Same with GMAC. He gets close to some of GMAC's records, three-point shooting. That's got to be pretty uh, amazing for him. I do think that just from a scoring standpoint, he puts himself into a different tier than what we've seen recently from Syracuse guys. So you got to give him some credit for that. It's also fascinating to think back on his career because lots of ups and downs. You forget that that freshman season, he was thrusted into the starting lineup and had to play that Baylor game because Frank Howard was out for that game. Did not play well. I think he was like 0 for 6 in the game and really struggled and talked about with Devo how that was probably the lowest point of his career because he walked off the court that day and thought, man, that was a close game. If I played like I normally do, we're moving on to the second round, which is just probably him being hard on himself. But to bounce back from that and then really come through the next time that he got a chance in the NCAA tournament is really cool. Yeah, I mean, you just look at what he did in that ACC tournament leading into that too. I mean, remember the first game against, what was it, Pitt? I believe Tyus Battle was out that game, or maybe, I can't remember. I feel like there was a big injury. He got moved into a bigger role, ends up playing 36 minutes in that game, scores 20 points. Then the next game against Duke, plays 35 minutes, scores 15 points. And that was sort of the, all right, this kid can play. This kid can really play, and he's doing it on a big stage in the ACC tournament. Do you have a favorite buddy moment? Or do you have like a top three? Gotta be. Yeah. I mean, like the game against San Diego State and and West Virginia, those are like one and two. And then if you had to give a consolation prize and sprinkle it around um, the Virginia game um, and the ACC tournament, that was a great one. I mean, that was talking about that almost half court shot that he kind of banked in. Oh, there's that too. Yeah. I mean, he he had a number of moments against Virginia, but I would always look to the 31 point game he had in the conference tournament against Virginia that obviously Syracuse went on to lose that game in, in heartbreaking fashion, but even some of the little moments, like his first road game at BC was a game where he really came alive from three. He ended up scoring 13 points, which tied a career high at the time. But hearing Buddy chance in a road arena, mm-hmm. I'm sure is something he'll never forget. And then if you're looking at this season, I mean, there are a couple that you could point to, but I really look at that Indiana game. Yeah. Where he just absolutely took over in, in the overtime periods and, and put together one of his best performances, 27 points. And it was, he got every bit of 27 in that game. Yeah, there were a couple really hot stretches in his career. Virginia Tech on the road in ACC play his sophomore year. I think he scored 18 points in a row, took over that game. I would bunch in this year the Giannis-Wake Forest game, where I yeah. believe he went for 30. He so did. I think he attempted mm-hmm. a free throw in that game, and it was just a buddy-like 30 where he got really hot for stretches, made some... I mean, he was on triple-double watch that game. He was 37-5 and five in that one. Or 35-7, yeah, and seven, I should say. Maybe a little generous to call it triple-double watch. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a, college, it was a yeah. good game. And, and Three he steals, did round, too. He did give uh, some more in other areas as he progressed as a player, but he'll go down mostly as a scorer, and that's yeah. what he was, which is pretty crazy because he came in as just a shooter, and he really developed himself into a scorer. Yeah, that's a big thing for these guys, going from shooter to scorer. That's not easy, and Buddy's certainly someone that did that. We're going to get into where he ranks among Syracuse's ACC players of all time. So only the ACC players, but where does he rank 
We've got our list. We're going to share them in a little bit. But first, this is the time of year where I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year because I'm sticking to eating right, and that is thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I love to eat them. And have you tried the puffs yet? Because if you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bar. They're the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're an absolute treat, and they're covered in 100% chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with these because they're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere between two to 300 calories, but you're not going to get that with a Built Bar. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and the best part, 17 grams of protein. So check out their extensive lineup of flavors, whether it's mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, or our favorite, the peanut butter brownie. They're all great. You got to try them out or get yourself a mix box as well. So go to built.com, use promo code locked15 and get 15% off your order. Again, locked15 at built.com. Use promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. So diving into where Buddy sits among Syracuse's ACC grades, I've got a little. Got a little list here, Tim. I, I do too. To it's going to be exciting. So, tough thing to rank for sure. It, it was definitely tough. So I've just got a bunch of names here spattered about. And basically, I think the only people you can put into consideration are guys who were all ACC, obviously, one and done players that went to the NBA or were first round draft picks or mm -hmm. were just one and done guys. Um, and then guys who just had strong careers too like right. built out four-year careers so where okay i want to throw a couple names at you and i want to see where you rank buddy against them okay okay these are guys well i'll, I'll save it all right so, so did you rank one to ten because that's what i did. I didn't I'm rank just, one to ten i just put okay. who i have above buddy all right and how I'll many guys you have above them I'm just i curious. have i have three but i can be talked out of one of them Oh, wow. Okay. I have them seventh in my seventh. top okay. 10. Yeah. Okay. So this will be interesting. All right. So I think CJ Fair, I have him yep. higher. I, I think CJ Fair, number one. Yep. Okay. I, I have Tyus Battle, number one. I have Battle, two. So All right. you so can we're, make we're, case for either. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. And then the only other guy that I have a, a slight lean ahead of Buddy is Michael Benajay. Yeah. I had Mike Benajay, three. Then I put three other guys ahead of him, which was tough. I put Rakeem Christmas at four, okay. and I gave him a slight edge. It was only one good year, but it was a third-team All-American, according to Sporting News, was also All-ACC first team. I think he was individually more dominant in that one year than Buddy ever reached as a level. And then I put Elijah Hughes five, Tyler Ennis six. Ennis was tough because you're only evaluating one, one year. year. Yeah. So from a career standpoint, Buddy definitely clips him. But also Tyler Ennis, so many wins, so many clutch plays, such a great passer. I think it's tough because, you know, Tyler Ennis is a more talented basketball player than Buddy Bayheim. So mm -hmm. some people might say, oh, of course, he's ahead of Buddy. But when you evaluate the career with talent, with everything yeah. into the equation, I gave him a slight edge. And I really like Tyler Ennis. So that might be a little bit off there to put him ahead of Buddy. I had a tough time putting anyone who went one and done ahead of Buddy. I, I just think that was really tough to do. 
Um, the other names that I threw on this list of guys to consider, I had Marek in there. I had Jeremy Grant, Rakeem Christmas, yep. who you put ahead, Trevor Cooney, Chris McCullough, Malachi Richardson, Tyler Lydon, and Tyler Ennis, obviously. Um, the reason I wouldn't throw um, Rakeem Christmas ahead of Buddy Bayheim is because the one season, like you mentioned, it was fantastic, all-American yeah. caliber, but it wasn't an NCAA tournament season. And you could say, okay, Buddy Bayheim's best season at Syracuse statistically also wasn't an NCAA tournament season, but Buddy also carried an NCAA tournament run. And when you're talking about legacy, I think moments like that and runs like that really matter. So that's why I'd put Buddy ahead of that. Elijah Hughes is an interesting one, but again, he's one of those guys. He only played two years at Syracuse, so it was tough for me to do that. And he only played in one NCAA tournament game, albeit it was he was the best player on the floor yeah, in that NCAA tournament game against Baylor in the 8-9 matchup, but he never won an NCAA tournament game, so it's tough for me to legacy-wise put him ahead of Buddy Bayheim as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Rakeem Christmas didn't win, though. I believe he was a part of the Final Four team and was also a member of the team that got to number one in the country, was a starter on that team. So I gave him a slight edge. Uh, Tyler Ennis was also a second-team All-American as a freshman. The three All-Americans, based on any sort of sporting news or whatever mm -hmm. you want to look at that ranks All-Americans, since Syracuse has joined the ACC, is C.J. Fair, Rakeem Christmas, Tyler Ennis. I don't think anyone else has received any. I mean, Buddy was a preseason All-American this year, but I'm talking end-of-the-season yeah, All-American. Yeah. And then you got five all ACC first team players. So I think Buddy is in a tier that after you get done with CJ Fair, Tyus Battle, Mike Benajay, those three to me are probably your top tier in the ACC. Then Elijah and Buddy are really pretty comparable because they're the only two players that have led Syracuse in score or led the ACC in scoring Syracuse players to do that. But also you could say that they did it on bad teams. Buddy having that sweet 16 run, though, does elevate him into a different tier that is better than some of the other players in the discussion, I think. And, like, I think you do have to call it Buddy Beheim's sweet 16 run. Too. Yeah. Because, I mean, I he, mean, he right. not, not just that, but even the games that he won to get them into the tournament, too, down the stretch. I mean, we talked about the, the Virginia game. They didn't win that game, but the game before that against NC State, he was lights out in that game, too. And it was just some of the the run, the everything down the stretch. I mean, I don't know if we lit a fire under his ass by saying we were going to eat burnt oranges at the end of the season <laughs> if they made the tournament. But, I mean, without, without him making that Herculean run, this program right now would be sitting at four straight seasons without an NCAA tournament win. Right. Just think about that. Like, if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't have that game against San Diego State and then follow it up with another one against West really Virginia. Really five seasons, right? Because yeah. the NIT was right before. So yeah. since the final oh, no, 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 the year before that, it oh, was, no, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. was, yeah, was sweet another Sweet 16 run, run yeah. in there. Um, yeah, and that, that puts Tyus, you have to give him some credit for that. Although Tyus statistically wasn't unbelievable in the run like Buddy was, but still was but doing he got a lot them of great there. stuff. Yeah. And he got he was the best player on Syracuse's last comfortable team into the tournament. Like you yeah. last single digit seed that, that this program's had was a Tyus battle led team. And Tyus did it on both ends. Not only was he a scorer and a closer and a gamer, but he did it on the offensive end. And he was fantastic on defense too. Right. The thing that I gave a slight edge to Elijah Hughes for compared to Buddy 
is the fact that Elijah Hughes never seemed to have as many down games as Buddy. He was consistently 20 points. And it's probably unfair because Buddy's worst stretch in his Syracuse career when we knew him to be one of the starters was right after COVID, and he had a really down start to the sophomore se- or his junior season, which, mm-hmm. of course, was along with Gerard, and they were really struggling as a team. But, I mean, if you would have told us January last year, February last year, that Buddy Beheim was going to finish as an all-ACC guy and a top-five, arguably, player in this ACC era for Syracuse, I think a lot of people would have you know, told you that you had 10 heads or something. Because yeah. at that point, people were asking Buddy to get benched, and it's easy to forget just how quickly that turned. And so much of that was probably COVID-influenced, so I don't knock him too much, but it's not like Elijah Hughes or Tyler Ennis really ever had down moments to the degree that Buddy did. And that's fair. That's certainly fair. All right, we will get into how Syracuse replaces him because it's not going to be an easy task for the Orange, but they're going to try to do that next year. But first... Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. And that's exactly what I get when I use my Athletic Greens every single morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things that you need to live a happy life. So if you're someone who has a keto diet, a paleo diet, a vegan diet, dairy-free, gluten-free, doesn't matter. This athletic green stuff is good for you uh, still. And there's the importance of the multivitamin as well. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. And that's what you get when you choose Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. And it cost them $100 a day. That's not what you're going to get with Athletic Greens. Super affordable. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Also, it is that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. If you're like Tyler and I, we have been doing a lot of betting on these games, making them interesting without Syracuse in the field. We've been doing it over at betonline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. They're all over at BetOnline. They even have podcasts and news that you can get updated on over on their website, betonline.net. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games if you're missing out on that Vegas feeling and you want to play some of those games, you can do it over at betonline.net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts. So how does Syracuse replace Buddy Bayheim? I think that's a question that is a lot easier said than done. And quite frankly, I don't think it's on the roster. Right now, I don't think the leaps of any player that you might see next year are going to be enough to replace Buddy Beheim. Even if a guy like Benny were to take a giant stride into his sophomore season, I think it would be a little bit different than what you got out of 
Buddy Beheim. And a lot of that comes down to the threat and his ability to space the floor as well, while also being able to kind of score at at least two of the three levels. And I think he got better at scoring at the third level, or I guess it would be the first level close around the rim over the course of his career. But the mid-range game, the three-point shot, he had it all in terms of shooting the basketball. Now, how do they replace that? I think it's something that probably has to be done in the transfer portal. And I don't know if there is another Buddy Bayheim like player out there that you can bring in and get the same sort of spark that Buddy got for you every single night. Yeah, maybe it's Judah Mintz if he comes, but I, I'm with you. I think the transfer portal has to be looked at as a serious option for Syracuse. We talked about that yesterday on the podcast. They don't really have a three-level score on the roster right no. now. And you can make a case Buddy was more of a two-level score, honestly. He scored so much from the mid-range and then from three-point territory. He really hardly ever scored around the basket that closely. I mean, he did it some, but... To the degree that he did the other stuff, probably not nearly as much. So at least a two-level score. I mean, the guys that could fill that role, Cole Swider, if he comes back, could blossom into more of that second level off the dribble, mid-range area, almost like Buddy did, honestly, where Buddy went from shooter to score and took that big leap freshman and sophomore year. But who knows if he comes back. Joe Girard, I think, off the ball could become a guy that we know he's comfortable taking a bulk of the scoring load, you know, taking that on more. And we saw that once buddy transitioned out of the lineup in the Duke game in the ACC tournament, that was a hint of, okay, someone's got to take the shots. And Joe was a guy that's willing to do that. We've seen him try to take big shots late in games as well. So it's probably going to have to be a combination of Gerard and Benny stepping up the scoring, Jesse doing more scoring, and it's not going to come from just one player unless they add from the transfer portal, which we are in agreement they really should do. It may be by committee, but I don't think that will nearly make it as effective as when you had one guy who literally averaged more than 19 points per game for you. And that's a luxury, and I know Syracuse fans hate when we say this, but Buddy was the most valuable player on this team. A lot of people point to Jesse. Some people may point out, outward at someone else, but it was Buddy Beheim. He was yeah. the most important, most valuable player on this team. And just think about that Duke game. Even though people might point at that and throw it back in our face, like, look how close they played with Duke and they didn't have Buddy Beheim. Did you see the Herculean efforts that you got out of Joe Girard in that first half, out of Jimmy Beheim over the course of that game? Everybody had to step up to play an A-plus level of basketball, and it still wasn't enough. Right. Like that just shows you how important Buddy was to this team. I do think you can change your DNA as a team a little bit and make it so that you're not necessarily replacing Buddy Beheim, but you're just morphing into a different team. And mm -hmm. you need to probably, as Buddy is the lead guy, you're one type of offense, which is predicated around guard play, it's predicated around a leading score. Maybe you morph more into a pass-first offense in a defensive-minded team, which is still probably needing to add pieces in the portal to get to that point. But, yeah, I mean, in the past, when a guy like Tyus Battle has left, Elijah Hughes has been there. So it's going to be interesting because they're losing a leading score, and it's not like they have a logical next guy. I'm sure if you're a Joe Girard fan, you could talk yourself into him averaging 15-16 a game, and I could maybe get there. 
but it's not like they have a clear cut. This is our guy next year. And I feel like that's the first time in a while that we've been at Syracuse or we've seen Syracuse in that sort of situation scoring wise. Yeah. Not have the succession plan from a scoring standpoint. It might have to be Cole Swider. And if it's not, you're going to have to find someone out of the transfer portal in all likelihood. All right. That is going to do it for us on this buddy Bayheim legacy appreciation, whatever you want to call it podcast. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we don't have to do another one of these anytime soon with with a Syracuse star but we will be back next week everybody enjoy your weekend we've got spring football next week Tim and we're gonna have our buddy Drew Carter who's going to be on the call for ACC Network he will join us next week to break down all the big storylines heading into football season which has a game next week which is cool to see so we will get dive into positional stuff Sean Tucker's return what the quarterback situation is gonna look like that's gonna be a lot of fun Drew Carter will join us from the ACC Network next week to break it all down everyone have a great weekend and we'll talk to you guys next week Oh,